Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of the Influencer Podcast. So excited today to have Sarah Crawford with us. Sarah is the founder of Broma Bakery, which has developed into a mostly baking blog dedicated to sharing elevated and unique takes on classic recipes. But what's really interesting with Sarah is how the photography of those recipes and of of that food ended up creating this business that she now runs. What's so awesome about today's conversation is that we talk a lot about niching down, especially if you have different passions and different things that you focus on, which I know that a lot of you that listen to this have that, right? A lot of you come to me and you're like, Julie, I, I do health. I do wellness. I also do beauty. I do fashion. Like, how do I know where to pivot? How do I know where to really focus down? So Sarah gives her experience and her journey as a great example of that. She talks about how doing what brands told her to do actually ended up tanking her engagement. And it wasn't until she fused her two passions, which was food and photography, when she was really able to niche down on those two things, she was able to monetize those really effectively. She also talks about how to listen to your audience to really create the content that they want. And she shares kind of her process of how she was able to do this. And then she talks about how from this, she was able to create an online course literally from nothing, from not knowing how to do it, from never do, from not having any of the background or the skill set. She started doing live workshops, created an online course from that, and ended up making $40,000 from that. So again, this is someone who had multi-passions, was able to niche down to two because that's what her audience wanted was able to create content that they actually want wanted, and then was able to actually create products and services around that content to scale. She also talks about the importance of going all in with online courses if that is something that someone wants to do. It is not something that just needs to be this passive income thing. And she also shares what she's learned on how to create online courses. So there's a lot of good stuff in today's episode. I think that you're really going to get a lot of value from it. Let's get started. Welcome to the Influencer Podcast. I'm your host, Julie Solomon, a marketing strategist, brand building expert, speaker, and New York Times bestselling publicist. This is where I take you behind the scenes with today's top influencers, industry insiders, and entrepreneurs as they share step-by-step strategies to help you turn your online dreams into a purposeful and profitable business. Hi, Sarah. It is so good to have you with us today. Hi, thank you so much for having me. I'm so excited. Me too. This is going to be such a great conversation because you have such a really unique um, brand and photography and and what I loved about you. And I know that we we got to meet through a dear friend of mine, Elizabeth Ryder, and she was sharing with me kind of the, just the uniqueness of how you bring messaging and branding and visual creativity into your business um, and how you've really built what you've built, which I think is so neat. So I would love if you could just dive in and kind of share with us a little bit about how you got into the world of photography and food and branding and influence and all of the good stuff. Yeah, absolutely. Um, So I have these two businesses, Broma Bakery, which is my baking blog, and Foodography School, which is my online food photography school. Um, and I mean, I would, <laughs> I would really say like, it all started when I was like four years old and was obsessed with my dad's homemade video or, you know, home video camera. 
Um, I, I think I've always just been a very visual person and, and really been drawn to photography. It's, you know, it's in some ways, unlike every other art form that's out there, because you're, you're combining reality and art. I think, you know, with painting and sculpture and all of these other things, you can kind of create your own world, but with photography, you're limited by what is right in front of you. And I think there's something so beautiful about that. So I did a fair amount of photography in high school. I really, really liked it. Um, to the point where I, I put together a photography portfolio and was going to apply to art schools. But then the more rational part of me was like, okay, let's take a step back and um, get, you know, a real education. So I ended up going to uh, NYU for just anthropology um, and really figured, you know, yes, I love photography, but there's no way I'm going to make a career out of it. Um, so I did that. And then as time went on, I found myself really missing that creative part, um, of my brain. And so I decided to really bridge, um, my love of photography with, with my also love of baking. My mom was such a great home baker and I just decided to, put the two together and start this little baby blog called from a bakery. And, um, I, I really just did it as a hobby. Like I needed that creative outlet and, um, I absolutely loved it. And then after college, I was working in the restaurant industry. I thought that that's what I wanted to do. I think, you know, at that point in my life, I knew food was going to be, um, something that was very central to whatever I chose. And I thought restaurants was going to be a great outlet for that, but it just, that grind is so much and it's, it really takes a lot out of you. So mm -hmm. one day I decided to just quit my job cold Turkey. I had $8,000 in my bank account and I was like, let's try to make my blog a thing. <laughs> and <laughs> I had never made a cent on my blog. I knew nothing about you know, how to market myself. I had no social media or anything like that. And this was back in 2014. So Instagram was a thing, but it wasn't, it, it definitely wasn't, you know, the massive powerhouse that it is today. Um, but I, I took two months to really see if I could turn my blog into a business. And I told myself, okay, if after two months, you don't see any growth, you know, whether that's like analytical growth or monetary growth, you have to go find a real job. And sure enough, I, I saw that growth and I just kept it going, you know, month after month. And then that turned into years and now here we are. So it's been and, a lot of fun. Yeah. And I would love to know, I mean, whatever gave you the idea to kind of fuse all these things together? Because a big question that I hear a lot from my community is that, um, that struggle and that challenge with niching down. Right. Mm -hmm. And I could so easily hear someone in my head be like, well, do I go all in on this photography thing or do I go all in on this food thing? And you were able to fuse it together. So what is your take on that? So such a good question. And there's so many, there's so many ways you can you know, think about this. For one, I think this idea of niching is just one of the most powerful things you can do as a business person. Um, I really learned this the hard way where last year I was starting to get really sick of posting food all the time. So 
I decided that I'd start branching out and doing more lifestyle stuff. And I even, I pulled my audience. Everybody seemed really interested in it. They said, we want to know, you know, your fashion tips and how you do your hair and what you're buying for your house. So I was like, oh my God, this is so great. Let's just like do it all. And very, very quickly, I started seeing my engagement tank. I was getting fewer likes um, in on all of my lifestyle posts, sometimes only a third of the amount of likes as my food photos. Um, I went from like 2,000 followers a week to sometimes just 450 followers a week. And I really saw that as I opened up that sort of niche and expanded, it really confused my audience. And I think that for me, it was just such a huge wake up call about how important it is to have a very, very pointed, um, strong and, and pretty narrow niche in terms of what you do. So I think your goal should always be to do something very, very specific. I mean, ultimately you want to be able to not only describe your brand in one sentence, but or what you do in one sentence, but also have people be able to recognize. Like the best compliment that I can receive is when somebody says, Oh my God, I saw this photo and I immediately knew it was a promo photo. Like that's what you should be striving for. But at the same time, I think that you have to offset that with this idea of diversification, especially when you're a young business person starting out and you're not quite sure what you want to do. It's really important to try out a bunch of different things. And I think that, um, you know, regardless of what your industry is, making sure that you really try a variety of different like money-making opportunities, different like branding strategies, different ways to connect with your audience is really important. Um, but then I think the, the way that you sort of bridge those two is as soon as you start to see that, um, your audience is really clinging to one thing. And as soon as you start to see that something is going faster or better or whatever it is relative to everything else, that's when you need to start going all in on that one thing. And so explain a little bit more. So it was, I guess, was it businesses, companies, brands that were like, we want to see more of this. And so you, you gave them that. And then that's when the engagement started taking. Was it kind of like more of these outside? Yeah. But like these people that we would typically think they know what they're talking about. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, a huge proponent of this, and I don't fault them for this at all, was my management company. Um, You know, when, when we had talks about this, we were thinking of it in the sense of, oh my God, this will lead to more opportunities and this will lead to growing um, even more. Um, but I don't think that we were thinking about just the, the importance of really filling a very specific need, um, for your audience. I mean, I think that ultimately if I wanted to go and be a lifestyle blogger, I could do it. I just need to separate that from everything that's, you know, food related, because I think the strongest thing you can do is just listen to your audience. Like as an online business and as an influencer, your audience is your lifeline and like they are the most important people to listen to. So, yeah. How do you listen to your audience or how did you figure out the best way to listen to your audience? Cause that's a big one too, that people will either say, well, I don't have an audience yet, or I thought I'd been listening to listening to them and I'm creating this content, but no one's engaging. So how did you navigate that for your business? 
Yeah. Um, I, I think that I'm pretty analytical and just looking at straight numbers is something that I've always really leaned into, whether that's looking at, you know, our top performing blog posts of the week of the month of the year, um, going into Instagram analytics and seeing not only, okay, so my top performing post was, I don't know, brownies, but looking at your top nine performing posts for the last 30, 60, 90 days, and really trying to tie together, like what's, what's the string that's holding all of these things together. Um, I, I think it can be really hard as a solo, um, entrepreneur to separate what's best for your business and what's best for yourself. And I think a lot of times when people have this confusion of like, Oh, I I thought I was putting out what they wanted. Oftentimes we're, we're more thinking about like what we think they want rather than like truly, truly listening to the facts, looking at the numbers and basically reproducing over and over again, the things that are working well and that your audience is engaging with. So, I mean, my biggest piece of advice in terms of that is like, see how many comments your, or like, see what post in the last 20 posts you posted had the most comments and then figure out why those comments are there. Was it something that you um, posted that basically was a question to your audience? If so, then do more questions. Was it something that was really heartfelt and people really connected with that? Well, then do more heartfelt things. You know, was it something that was funny and people just tagged their friends because they thought it was funny? Then do more of that. Mm, I love that. That's a great, um, just very simple yet effective way of looking at it. Um, As creators, we often don't have a huge team to build our business, but that doesn't mean that we have to do it alone. Kajabi gives you all the tools that you need to build a profitable business. Kajabi is your all-in-one platform for digital products. Designed for creators to create, market, and sell their digital content, no matter your niche, Kajabi makes it easy to turn your skills, passions, and experiences into enriching online courses, exclusive membership sites, subscription podcasts, thriving communities, personalized coaching, and so much more. Now, there is a reason why Kajabi has been the go-to place for over a decade for so many creators. And you guys know how much I love data. You hear me talk about it all the time on this podcast, the importance of analytics. With Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates. With Kajabi, you also get robust analytics, easy payment options, email marketing tools, and customizable website templates, all built in. The best part? You don't need a huge audience to make sustainable income. There are thousands of creators on Kajabi making six and seven figures with less than 50,000 followers. Right now, Kajabi is offering a free 30-day trial to start your business if you go to kajabi.com influencer. That's K-A-J-A-B-I.com slash influencer. Kajabi.com slash influencer and join the creators and entrepreneurs who have made over $6 billion. Now we know that running a small business is no feat, but our friends at JustWorks are here to make it a whole lot easier for us. JustWorks software automates HR for both employees and admins. 
As a reliable and flexible platform, Just Work earns back time so you can focus on running your business with big confidence. Signing up is a breeze. In just 30 minutes, you can set up payroll that streamlines paying your team, saves time, and mitigates errors. And it's desktop and mobile friendly. Plus, you can get ready to pay yourself and your amazing team in as little as two business days. That is the kind of speed and efficiency that we need as small businesses. You can even integrate time tracking and benefits that support running your small business with ease. Don't miss your chance to get one month free by visiting justworks.com influencer. Secure the limited time offer and start letting JustWorks run your payroll so you don't have to. Start your free month now at justworks.com influencer. What kind of came first for you? Like, I know that Broma Bakery, obviously, in your blog and building that out and building your name and all of that. Um, but then came, you know, photography school, which I want to talk about in a minute. But I know that you've also done some really amazing, I mean, you've spoken at conferences and you've spoken at Harvard Business School and you've done a lot of speaking stuff. Did all of that have to come first before you could create this program or did the program come first and then lead to those things? Because I think that's that's something that people, they feel like you have to be this expert and you have to do all of this stuff before you can actually create a product or service. Yeah, totally. Um, the, the program absolutely came first for me. And I, I feel like I, I was lucky that the first iteration of photography school that we created was a huge success. Um, but it's by no means was I like fully on top of the systems that we were using and how we were connecting with our audience and, you know, really leaning into like our email, um, structure and all of that. I, I, I feel like there's very much a sense, no matter what industry you're in, that like people who end up producing a product or a service or whatever, that they got it right and they knew exactly what they were doing the first time, like, absolutely not. Like every entrepreneur that I know is like, Oh my God. I remember when we first started, like that was so janky or (laughs) that was like, you know, we were flying by the seat of our pants. Um, I really think it's much more about like, do you feel confident about the actual thing that you're putting out into the world? Well, if you do, then everything else is going to follow. You don't need to know exactly how to work your payment systems and like perfectly set up a sales funnel. Like if the product itself stands alone, then like that is the thing that is going to drive you forward. And I think that ultimately that's why photography school has had so much success because the most important thing to us and this is really true throughout in both of my businesses is like that the content itself stands alone mm-hmm. in photography school. We always talk about this idea that content is King. And it basically just means that like, if what you're producing is not at the highest level that you possibly can, then nothing else is going to like follow suit in the most, 
I don't know, best way. That's, that's not a very good way to say it, but, but basically like producing high quality content is the most important thing you can do as an entrepreneur in general. I love that. And I want to, I want to dive into what photography school is, but before we get there, I want to dive into the process of actually creating it. I want to know what gave you the idea to do it why you felt it was needed for your audience. Because again, you're coming from this blogger world, from this essentially baking photography world. You had never created an online course. You had never created email funnels. You had never created any of that, everything that you were just talking about. So what gave you the, this idea? And I, and I know that photography school has been a massive success. And as you said, I mean, you had some really early success for it. So clearly you were onto something and clearly you created something that your target audience, that your target, target customer needed and wanted. So how did all of that come together to give you the idea to just create it, even though you didn't know what you were doing and get it out there? And then what was the process of refining it and figuring it out and figuring out how to launch it and figuring out how to scale it and all of that good stuff? Yeah. Oh my gosh. I could talk about this for hours. (laughs) I know. Me too. I like geek out when it comes to like online courses and and marketing them. I know. I know. Oh my God. It's so much fun. Um, Okay. So starting out, um, the the sort of first little like hint that maybe I should be teaching food photography um, was very much just people commenting on my blog posts um, saying, do you have any tutorials for how you edit or what your Photoshop process is or, you know, what backgrounds you use? So I started creating blog posts um, just on Roma Bakery uh, about these things and people really liked them. Um, and then One day I decided that I wanted to do an in-person workshop. I, I was really nervous about doing it because I had never taught before, but I was really excited about the idea of sort of doing more than just putting out these blog posts to the world, really turning it into this, you know, in-person experience. Um, so I just, decided, okay, well, let's try. And if nobody signs up for it, then we'll cancel it and it'll be totally fine. Um, and we opened up this, this in-person food photography workshop for, um, 14 people and it sold out in five days. And I was like, oh my God, okay. People are into this. And, um, we did it. And, and it was at this time, it was me and, um, my assistant who was just helping me with like just random things like social, um, posting, helping me with brand partnerships, things like that. And we, we put together this, this workshop. And one of the girls who came to the workshop, um, her name's Shannon Monson and she does her own, uh, online courses. And she basically said to me like, Hey, Sarah, like, have you ever considered teaching this stuff online? And at the time when I did this workshop, our profits were like $10,000. And I was like, oh my God, I'm a millionaire. Like I'm swimming in it. Like, why would I do anything else? This is amazing. And she was like, no, you don't understand. Like online courses, your overhead is so much less because even though we had made $10,000 at this retreat, we had brought in 30. So, you know, that those margins are pretty bad. Um, and I said, okay, like, cool, Shannon, like maybe later talk to you. Bye. 
and we stayed friends. Um, but I didn't really think about translating it into an online course for, I don't know, like six months. And then I did a few more in-person workshops. They all went really well. And I, I just realized that I really enjoyed teaching, um, and really putting, you know, all the information inside my head into this very sort of logical step-by-step teachable content. And then Shannon reached out to me again. She was like, I really think you should do my mastermind. Like I it's, I'm teaching people how to create courses. And I think this would be really good for you. So I, I took her up on it and I joined her mastermind and, um, I basically put together photography school and this, this first iteration, um, through her mastermind. And she basically walked you through, you know, what, what services and systems and, you know, softwares to use and all of that fun stuff. And, um, we did our first launch and we made, and we, it was me at the time we made $40,000. And I was like, Oh my God, like what is going on? And I knew that I had to just not even double down on it, like triple down on it. So after that, I just, I really learned as much as I could in terms of like the best way to create online courses, like really doing a lot of, um, uh, questionnaires at the end of, uh, our courses and asking people, okay, like, what do you want to see more of what worked, what didn't work? And again, just really listening to what people needed. And, um, eventually I hired, um, Shannon's right hand, her name's Britt and she became my right hand and really helped to, you know, I stayed on more of the creative side and course creation and all that. And she started handling, um, our sales funnels and our email sequencing and all of that. So it was really through her that I learned more of the technical aspects of things, but, um, it, it was, it was very much like leaning on other people. There's no way I could do all of this alone. So Britt really helped me in terms of scaling photography school, you know, making it so we could launch every three months because it's, it's so much work and it's really, I mean, it's like learning a new language. There's so much that goes into course creation. And I'm sure you've found this too, Julie, where like, I think people think that online courses are easy for some reason. It's like, oh, it's passive income. There's nothing passive about it. It's, you know, you're, you're, you're doing work on it every single day and just constantly, but it is just so, so fulfilling. And it's so cool to see when people really achieve those results. Since I am all about habits and routines and goals for the new year, let's talk about healthy eating. Now, obviously, this is a hot topic for so many of us right now because I know that so many people are looking to revamp their eating habits in the new year. But I think so often we fall short because of a few things. One, it can be really time-consuming to cook fresh meals every day, especially as a parent. Two, it can be time-consuming and difficult to prepare and go to the grocery store and just have all the ingredients that we need for the week. And so if you're anything like me, what tends to happen is that we fall back on old habits of just ordering out all of our meals or snacking around meals or just grabbing whatever we find in the pantry and not really giving our bodies the nourishment that we need. But a really simple solution that I have found for the new year 
is HelloFresh. Whether you want to save money, eat better, or stress less, HelloFresh is here to help you do all three. Imagine having farm fresh ingredients and chef crafted recipes delivered to your doorstep, no grocery store chaos. Also, what I love about HelloFresh is that everything comes pre portioned right to your doorstep, which is a huge perk for me because of the time savings, and there's less hassle and less wasted food. Another perk with me because with two small kids in the house, it is so easy for us to waste food and that drives me crazy. And even if there are nights where you barely have any time to cook, what you can do is check out their lineup of 15 minute recipes, which are amazing. These are great for those nights when you're just trying to catch up on all the duties and you just need a healthy but quick option. I made a really good chicken dish the other night and they also have some good vegan options. My husband is also gluten-free, so they have something for everybody regardless of what your dietary preferences may be, and this is huge for so many of us as I know. Now here is the big news. HelloFresh understands the breakfast game and how important getting protein first thing in the morning is. So HelloFresh is giving all subscribers free breakfast for life. Yes, you heard it right. A free breakfast item with every single delivery. I mean, who wouldn't want to wake up to that? We all know the importance of breakfast and getting that protein fix in the morning. And the fact that I just don't have to think about it just made HelloFresh a no-brainer for me this year. So that means you will enjoy a totally free breakfast item with every single HelloFresh delivery. So go to HelloFresh.com slash influencer free and use code influencer free for free breakfast for life. One breakfast item per box while the subscription is active. That's free breakfast for life at hellofresh.com slash influencer free with the code influencer free. Check it out and find out why HelloFresh is America's number one meal kit. It's so true. And I love that you mentioned that piece of like, it's not just this like side thing that people are like, Oh, well, you know, if I, well, I mean, and here's the thing you can do it that way, but if you are someone who hears, you know, the stories like you just gave that, you know, you, you launched it and you made $40,000. If you're someone who has the expectation that you're wanting to make tens of thousands of dollars consistently off of an online course, it, it needs to become one of your primary, primary business models, in my opinion. Heck yeah. Online courses is our, it's, it's our main driver in our business. So it's not this thing. And so much so that the stuff that used to be main drivers for me, like brand deals and publicity are now either non-existent or passive income. Yes. Because this is full time. And so I love that you mentioned that because I think that it's so important to align those expectations. I think that people just you hear the bro marketing of like, you know, oh, I created this one thing and made $250,000 or you just yes. like, I did a webinar and then I made 75,000. It's, I mean, that can happen, but to get to that place and, you know, I loved what you talked about that. How many workshops did you have to do and how much did you actually have to invest in you learning what you needed to learn before you got to the place that you could actually make 40,000? Yeah. Like, and I think too, it's like, it, it, I was so excited about that $40,000, but even more so it's like to sustain that and to have it keep going. That's when really, I mean, I feel like you separate the milk from the cream because like anybody can get rich quick one time, but it's like, okay, so how can we keep this momentum going? That's like the big thing for me, at least in terms of online courses, it's like, okay, well, 
we've reached so many people. How can we serve them better? Like, how can we keep reaching people? Like, how can we, how do we grow volume and scale? And yes. add, and continue to add value and pivot it and up level and and that's why it's so I mean that's why I love online courses so much because once you once you spend all of that time that you need to spend and and really like the money that you need to spend to like really understand the foundational elements of first off creating a course that people actually get results from. Mm-hmm. And then B, learning how to properly market and scale it in a way that it's reaching your ideal audience. Mm-hmm. Then, then you spend the rest of your life <laughs> just constantly <laughs> tweaking it, pivoting, updating, adding value, adding bonuses, looking at data, looking at analytics, refining Facebook ads, if that's part of the, of the marketing model. You know, it's just, yeah. it, it's a constant, um, it's a constant like pampering of sorts. Absolutely. And I love that you said pivot too. I think that's so important. It's like, you need to constantly be checking in with the times and what people are looking for, because, you know, something that was relevant three years ago that did really well, very much could not be relevant now. And it it is just like this constant updating that, that goes along with all of this. It's so true. And, um, and I love that you walked through that process. Um, what was the time frame of you doing all of those workshops? Because that's when you were kind of, you know, essentially doing the online program groundwork in mm-hmm. a lot of ways, because you were basically presenting the online program in a workshop format. Yes. To some degree. Yeah. Um, and that's when you were able to collect feedback and survey the audience and refine it and figure out like who really needs this, um, you know, the price point that you felt comfortable with. Cause that's a, another huge question I get from you. Well, how do you know what to price it? And it's like, well, there's no right or wrong answer. It's just, there's a lot of times you just make it up and then you just go from there, (laughs) you know, look at the competitive landscape, you know, know your, know your, your ideal customer so well that, you know, the price point that she can realistically, you know, invest, um, and then go from there. So, um, absolutely. Yeah. I, 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 sorry. I, I think that with the the whole pricing model, it's like, I, we all just have to get out of our heads that like with any of this stuff, there's an actual like answer. Like pricing is just a wild west. (laughs) It is. Same thing with brand deals, you know, same thing with anything like that. I mean, there's not, and even just in, I mean, in any industry, it's like, other than, you know, when you go into a, cafe and they tell you that the coffee's, you know, four fifty or whatever, oh, but it's, it's like, it's total supply and demand. Yeah. Interior designers, fashion stylists, um, landscape. I mean, it's like everyone just puts a price out kind there. Of, yeah. Right. But I think that's also what's really great about coming back to this idea of like content and, and making your content best. I have just found Every single time I like level up on the quality of my photography, that's when I'm able to charge more for brand deals. And yes, my social is growing. And yes, like there's all of these other factors in there, but 100%, like the, the amount of money that I charge is so tied into when I look like when I, when I, when I look back at invoices and I look at, okay, this is when I was charging $1,000 for a blog post. This is when I was charging $3,000 for a blog post. And I put my photos 
to those invoices, it's, it's like so obvious that it's that quality of content that kept pushing me forward and getting me, you know, to that next level. Totally. How did you get the confidence or the clarity or the courage? I should say, I think it's, it's confidence and courage more than anything to actually invest in, you know, financially invest in learning what you needed to learn to actually create an online course that was profitable? I think that one thing that I, one of my strengths is I would say I'm pretty fearless. Um, I don't really get bothered by, um, or I, I don't really see like something like the idea of investing in myself as something scary. So I, I want to back away from it. If anything, I get competitive and I want to move, move towards it more. Um, but I do think that oftentimes we can really get stuck in this sort of rut with our thoughts, right? Where we're like, what if, what if, what if, what if? And I forget exactly what the quote is, but there's this one quote that's basically like, when, whenever you're anxiously just thinking over something and mulling it over in your head and it's bothering you, the only person that that's affecting is you. And I think getting over that idea that like, okay, you could go through all these what ifs and sort of like agonize over if you're going to fail, if it's going to work out and then try to go through with it, or you can just go through with it at the beginning. (laughs) And if it, if it fails, it fails, but you sort of like just sitting and, and really worrying about that thing, it's not going to change anything. Right. And you're there, you're always going to have to invest something. Like if you choose not to hire a coach or, um, take, take a program that teaches you how to create online courses. Cause there's some really good ones out there that do that. And there's some great coaches yeah. that can coach you through that. Um, it's one of the things that I do with people in my, in my coaching membership, because so many people want to create online courses. If, if you oh, don't do you mean wanna... shine? <laughs> yes, I do. I mean, shine, yes. um, you know, if you don't want to invest in an actual person walking you through it or an actual program walking you through it, you're going to have to walk through that. And there's going to, and, and then, and then at that point, you're basically raising your hand and saying, since I'm not committing to financially invest, I'm going to commit to investing so much time and so much sweat equity and trying Mm -hmm. to figure this out myself until I get to a point that I feel confident both emotionally, mentally, financially, et cetera, to then invest in something. Because at the end of the day, what you appreciate appreciates. No matter what you're doing, you're going to have to invest not only time and energy and resources, but money into something if you want it to be a business and not a hobby. That's, I mean, that's, Absolutely. that's what a business is. A business just doesn't make money. You have to invest money in a business in order for it to make money. Absolutely. I, I couldn't agree more. I, I think back to when I first started blogging and really my biggest regret was that I didn't invest when I first started out because I was really scared of spending money. I mean, and, and financial pressures were real. It's, I, I don't, you know, I'm not upset with myself about that, but I do really feel like, oh my gosh, how much faster could I have grown if I had invested? And I see now with my businesses, every single time I've invested 
especially in my employees, whether that's giving them more tasks or having them come on from part-time to full-time, um, that, that returns financially, like, you know, within a few months. And it's scary to go from, you know, spending, you know, I don't know, like $2,000 a month on your business to six or 7,000. But I think as long as you're really, really thinking critically and analytically about what you need for your business to get to the next step and you make the right choices, then like you are going to see that investment come back to you. Agreed. 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 Um, so now that we have kind of navigated that whole thing, um, explain a little bit more about what this program is and who is it for and what results does it promise? Yes. Photography school is an online food photography school. We have four major programs and then we have a variety of like small product offerings, like presets and um, downloadable guides and things. But um, our programs, our courses are our really main driver. Um, The original course, Photography School, it's a four week course um, separated into four units. And it really splits up food photography into a skill and a business. And when I was creating Photography School, I was really looking at the competition and there were other courses and programs out there for food photography. But what I found over and over and over again was that this business piece was missing. It was all about, okay, here's how you make pancakes look good, or here's how you get a perfect cheese pull, or here's how you shoot in the right light. But there was nothing about, okay, so what do I do with my photo when I'm done? And that is such a huge piece of the puzzle because it is so important to be able to create beautiful photos. But if you don't know how to market them and you don't know, you know, who to reach out to and and how to make money, then it is just a hobby. So our entire goal with photography school is really bridging this gap that existed between skill photography and, and business photography. So we are all about really setting you up to not only take better photos, but to be able to go out and pitch yourself to brands and to know how much to charge and to know what you can offer. Um, And I think that's also why it's been really successful because it is very practical in in addition to being skill-based. So good. So good. Um, Thank you. Yes. So how does your business look today? What are the various different um, models and revenue streams that you have now niched down on? Today, um, so I'm still very much doing my blog in addition to photography school, but they are definitely like both two full-time jobs. So starting with the blog, sponsored posts are huge for us. That is my main revenue driver um, on that front. Um, But I'm also getting money from ads. Um, This year, my, uh, gosh, she does everything. She's like my recipe developer, my assistant. Um, She's now writing all of my blog posts. Her name's Sophie. Like, oh my God, she saves my life. Um, So she's been really focusing on SEO because we 
we just realized the the value of, of that really passive ad income. So that's been huge for us and really becoming very much our second revenue stream. Um, and then I will also do a, a decent amount of like more freelance brand work. Um, so it's still photography, but it'll be more, um, photographic, like being hired as a photographer, not being hired as an influencer. Um, so still like shooting for brands, but more like without my name attached to it as much. Um, and then also doing, um, sponsored travel, um, and, and trips and things like that. And, and speaking engagements, that's probably like number four. Um, and then in terms of photography school, um, it's, it's very much just program sales. Um, yeah. Awesome. I love that. I love, I love for people to kind of hear the options because again, it's like, goes back to that idea of like niching down is so important and vital, but then I think a lot of people also use that as a way to just not take action and not move and just to get completely stuck. Totally. Um, So there's a good balance in that. Um, so what does influence mean to you? Oh my gosh. What a loaded question. Um, I think that influence very much means having this large platform. I mean, I, 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 in my mind right now, I'm I'm thinking of literally standing up on a stage and being an influencer, you basically have a microphone right in front of you and you have this ability to just speak to this crowd. Like that to me is influence. And I think a good influencer is someone who not only can, can speak to that crowd, but can also add value to that crowd's life. I very much feel like there's two types of influencers, like one being this influencer that's basically just a vehicle for brands to, you know, go through and reach an audience. And then there's this other type of influencer that is much more like a one person creative and marketing company where not only can brands go through them to reach people, but in going through them, they're creating something that has value and that actually does something, whether that's, you know, adding happiness and joy or a, a recipe that someone can physically create or even, you know, a, a course or something like that. Mm, I love that. And then what would be your biggest piece of actionable advice that you would give someone who is at kind of that beginning stages of, you know, I have this idea, I'm wanting to get it out there, you know, but I, I don't, I haven't started, I'm not monetizing yet. I'm not scaling yet. I've started to compile who I think may be my ideal customer, but what do I do? <laughs> yeah. I, 100%, you just, you have to start, like you have to start doing, like just go. Um, whenever people start their businesses or I mean, 95% of the time, they, they don't have it all together. They don't know exactly what things are going to turn into. And there's so many shifts and pivots that happen along the way, but the best way that you can start building your business is to actually start. And from going through um, that process of creation and, and putting things out there, you're going to start learning things and you're, you're going to start noticing, okay, I'm, 
I'm better over here. And I don't really like this part. And people are really attracted to this. Um, I think one of the worst things you can do is um, just hold off until you feel like you have it all right. Um, I can't tell you how many people have said, oh, I'm starting a blog, but I'm waiting until I have 20 posts built up and then I'll launch it. It's like, no, just go, just start, (laughs) do it. (laughs) Oh, it's so true. I love that. Thank you for sharing. Well, Sarah, where can everyone find you to learn more about your work and um, where you are on social media? You can find me on social media at Brum Bakery, at Foodtography School, and um, online at bromabakery.com and foodtographyschool.com. Yeah, come come say hi, DM me, we'll chat. Awesome. Thank you so much, Sarah, for being with us today and walking us through so much. I know that this episode is going to help so many of you listening. And if you did love this episode and you have some great takeaways, please let us know about it. You can tag me at Jewel Solomon and then tag Sarah at Broma Bakery and let us know what you loved about this episode, what your biggest takeaways were. Screenshot them on Instagram so we can see those screenshots and then we can tag them on ours and uh, promote and share as well. So thank you again, Sarah. I so appreciate your time. Thank you, Julie. All right. That is it for today. Now, as you know, some of our best conversations actually happen after the show. So I want you to find me on Instagram, head on over to our Facebook group at the Influencer Podcast, and let me know your thoughts about today's show. All right. I will see you again, same time, same place next week.